0: Hello citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude, I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters, and this is the show that's going to talk like this. Please, can we not? (laughs) For the entire episode. Do you want a six hour episode? Because that's how you get a six hour episode. I know people who would enjoy that, and I don't know why. I have no idea why. It's a masochist. They want to hear trees talk for a long, long time. <laughs> you know, I don't hate the trees. That's making me feel like there's a lot that you do hate, though. If you're getting this specific <laughs> right off the bat, I'm <laughs> like, ah, the trees are cool. It's kind of like a, a weird half big fucking fucking Hey, fuck walking you, trees are you. pretty neat. We're right? pointing to the trees. You're cool, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I don't know if I'm ready for this one, Brian. <laughs> I have never been ready, and I never will be ready, so we might as well just do it. This episode is dedicated to all of our patrons. They were able to raise over $500 for Veterans, Inc. in March, and Brian put his balls on the line. I sure did. I put them right there on a cutting board and said, Hey, why don't you guys raise some money, and then I'll talk about the movie. Remember, remember when I did that? I do. And because Brian enjoyed The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings, so much, he said, So much. How about we do The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers from 2002, directed by Peter fucking Jackson, if we hit that stretch goal. And we nailed it. Yeah, sure did. I mean, it was the last day of March, but we hit the stretch goal. Damn you. (laughs) But also, thank you. You know, you you did good. and You raised money for a good cause. You're sending out mixed messages, Brian. Yeah, well, I feel like I'm receiving them, too. That's very fair. <laughs> it was like, people were like, charity, I don't care, making Brian watch Lord of the Rings. Don't Here call Game go. of Thrones. Don't do that. I would, I would never besmirch the name of Game of Thrones like that. So, uh, I'm going to get this out of the way, because it's just what we do on the show. Brian, how did you feel about the movie? Cool. I love it. <laughs> I like that you didn't even let me answer. What's the point? What if I told you? you were you? Were you, Brian? No, no, no. (laughs) Was this better or worse than the last time you saw it? Because you've seen this one once before. I have now seen this one three times, actually, and I've never seen the theatrical version. Just straight extended all day, baby. It seems longer every time I see it. Was it better than the last time? Yeah, a little bit, because, you know, now I have a little bit of a better idea. After you watch it a few times, you start to figure out which long-haired white guy is which long-haired white guy. The way you put a long-haired white guy, it's like your metal band blind. (laughs) You know what? If you put a bunch of metal bands in front of me and ask me which one was which, I'd be like, I can't read their logos anyway. If it's not Slipknot, I don't know. (laughs) Do you just want to get right into this thing? We might as well. Because I have a lot to I want to say about this thing. I love this movie. I love Lord of the Rings. There's a lot more about this one, though. This is our 169th episode of a comic book movie <laughs> podcast, and now you're calling me a nerd. <laughs> I guess that's that's pretty fair, huh? This is where you draw the line. <laughs> 100 and nice. That is the right way to put it. Let's just dive headfirst into that shallow end. I, that's what it's going to be here. Let's do it. <laughs> we pick up right where we left off the last time with gorgeous sweeping shots of snowy mountaintops that last the entirety of what would be the opening credits, but there are none. It's just. Two minutes of snowy mountains, just really establishing the pacing of this thing right up front. The pacing meaning that this takes forever, but it looks great. I mean, looking great has nothing to do with the pacing, but yes. But that. they're like really digging and they're like, look at all these mountains. Look at, at, look at sweet, how sweet, snowy, snowy cool tips. these mountains look. Aren't they nice? Look at them longer. Keep looking at them. They're great. Cut to a flashback. We're back in the Mines of Moria where Gandalf, Sir Ian fucking McKellen, Battles the Balrog. You know, you shall not pass. Fly you fools, etc., etc. Etc. is the right way to put it. As the two fall, Gandalf stabs the flightless winged creature until Frodo wakes up. Yeah, it's basically just an ostrich monster when you break it down that way. It's a giant penguin <laughs> on fire. And he's mad at wizards. That's a terrifying thought though. Like if a, a flaming penguin just started charging you, what are you gonna do? I would probably go, aw. Oh no. <laughs> Help me, Morgan Freeman. So not once in there is a you shall not pass. Not once. Not once. I don't think it'd come to mind. I'd be more concerned about first (laughs) how cute the penguin is, how big the penguin is, how on fire the penguin is, and then Morgan Freeman. That's the natural progression of things, I guess, on this penguin's (laughs) run to hell or whatever it's doing. Frodo and Samwise, Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, you remember them from the last time. They are continuing their journey to toss some jewelry into a volcano. That's right. <laughs> Samwise, despite clearly being able to see where they're headed, laments that they are lost. It's not hard to find this big-ass volcano. You can see it from a movie away. It's like, hey, look at that. Over That's where, that's where we're going. Oh, we're lost. <laughs> Maybe it's because the mountains are so big and they're so little. They're very, very little people. And even though you won't see them next to many other tall people in this one, they're still little. That's right. The ring is starting to take its toll on Frodo, and he's like, ah, oh, it's heavy. But like, What's weight got to do with it, Frodo? I was going to say in the Back to the Future sense, not the, not the weight <laughs> sense. We're going to get there. I want to talk about a stupid line that Sam says much later on. Like four <laughs> okay. hours from now, he will say. Because, oh. <laughs> yeah, the extent of this movie is 235 minutes. Not enough, honestly. Give me more. For what it's worth, it only feels like 215. (laughs) It's because of the extra 40 minutes of credits they added. (laughs) That's right. There's so many credits. And Liv Tyler staring at you for way too long. Just right into your soul. I hated it. I died a little. We'll get there. If I was Steven Tyler, I might be into it, but... (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) A couple nights later... Frodo and Samwise are approached by a crazed, wiry, bald-headed CGI monster dude thing who really wants his precious. It's Gollum. It's Andy fucking Circus is who it is. I was going to say, you give that man respect. That man will always get my respect because he's Andy fucking Circus. And Gollum looks pretty great. Pretty good for 2002. For this being one of the first times this was ever attempted and pulled off with the face on the on the face and the CGI and the whatnot, yeah, pretty excellent. I like how you're giving Jurassic Park a major pass. <laughs> it came out nine years before this, but you're not willing to say like this is the first of its kind with CGI mocap technology as a main character. You're just not giving it a pass. Are you that down on this movie that you're not willing to? Give such I a just said it looks feet. great. You said it looked With good. With the face on the face. looks good. That's not negative, Dave. It's like neutral negative. Some would call it passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer chaotic neutral. Fine. <laughs> Speaking of chaos, I have my first actual MDB trivia fact. I can't even imagine how many there were for this. There were 200 some odd, so actually not that bad. For a four hour movie. If you're grading it on facts per minute, it's actually very low. Andy Circus said that he based Gom's voice on the sound of a cat coughing up a hairball. I love it. That's your inspiration for the great looking character. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that I did like a gentleman's pour in my my glass. Of buffalo the buffalo is really going to be tracing. It's going to have to trace. It truly will. Brian's only got it truly because he doesn't have to drown his sorrows like I do. That I have to talk about a movie I love with a monster like Brian. (laughs) I had to drown my sorrows last night after I watched the movie. That's fair. (laughs) So Gollum, he tries to steal the ring, but because he talks to himself so much, Frodo and Sam are ready for him, and they all fight. Gollum gets the drop on Sam, but Frodo puts his tiny sword to the creature's neck, and he's like, I'm going to kill you if you don't let go of Sam. So they tie him up for a little bit, and they ultimately decide they trust him enough to let him go and lead him to Mordor. Let me ask you this question, Brian. Yeah. Now let's say that you get into this weird sort of hostage situation where a, a little CGI creature is holding your buddy hostage. Yeah. Just grabbing him around, and you are holding a sword up to him, and it's the only bit of sharpened anything for 100 miles, realistically. <laughs> and you say, you let go of him or I'll slit your throat. I. Why wouldn't you slit his throat? It seems like the right thing to do in that moment. Because if you slit his throat, he's going to probably grab his throat to try to cover up that wound with his weird gangly hands. Right. He's going to let go of your buddy. He's not just going to squeeze harder. like He's, he's going to be losing all of his sweet life juices. He's going to be like, I need to keep these life juices inside me. Let me grab my neck instead of my Sam. Strike one. Should have killed Gollum already. <laughs> <It> Should have. <laughs> While all this is happening, the orcs still have Merry and Pip. Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd. They're still in the possession of these big ol' mean goblin guys. The uruk look amazing in this. They are pretty neat. I like that they have black mouths. They do, but the makeup that goes into them is just insane. And there's so many of them. Well, the reason I bring up the black mouths is because before every scene, they had to drink like this licorice drink to keep the inside of their mouths black. And that's insane to me. I would quit just for that. Licorice beverage. Get out of here. What if it was like some sort of like schnapps? That seems like a dangerous game. <laughs> the more takes you do, the worse it gets. I like how like in America, most dangerous game is just hunting humans. But in New Zealand, most dangerous game is drinking schnapps and kidnapping hobbits. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So because these two are still held captive, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli... Yes, Vigo fucking Mortensen, Orlando Blonde, and John Reese Dav- John fucking Reese fucking Davis. I'm gonna allow all three of those. Continue their pursuit and rescue mission. are like, we gotta go get those hobbits. And I like how Aragorn could just like put his head on the ground and be like, they're far. <laughs> I hear nothing. They must be not close. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not within stopping distance, I'm never gonna find them. <laughs> they realize that the orcs are taking the hobbits to Isengard somehow. And the white wizard Saruman, who is, of course, played by Sir Christopher fucking Lee. He's underused in this movie. He sure is. They mention him a whole bunch, but they don't really show him a whole lot. No, he's got, like, almost no scenes. For this being the two towers and him being in one of the (laughs) titular (laughs) towers. One of said towers, yeah. He does not make many appearances. No, he does not. But his name is spoken so many times. Drink every time you hear Saruman, you'll be on the floor. Cut to Saruman and Sauron getting all chummy, conspiring in their hot tub time machines, making orc babies and chopping down forests to make (laughs) weapons. (laughs) Making orc babies. Fully grown orc babies. They emerge fully grown. I don't need to know how it works. I I have questions, but I don't need an answer. I would much rather not know. Now let's find out about a whole bunch of new people. That right there would have been like, The ideal time for a John Cleese Monty Python, and now for something completely different. (laughs) Whip out an old segment like an incoming message from the big giant web. (laughs) That would be perfect. (laughs) I don't have one, unfortunately. No, I haven't had one in months, years. I don't know how long. I almost forgot it was a thing. (laughs) Saruman's army is rolling through some villages, killing a whole bunch of people, preparing to take the kingdom of Rohan. After one such battle, Iomar, I think that's how you say his name, I don't know. He's played by Carl fucking Urban. Yeah, he is. Who I always think looks so much like Andy Circus. Luckily, we don't really see Andy Circus a whole lot in this movie because he's a CGI man. It's kind of weird seeing Carl Urban without the enormous bushy beard now. Like in it this, really like is. You see him, you're like, man, you're baby-faced. Yeah, what, what, is, what is all this with the, with the long blonde hair and the, and the baby face? It works for him. Carl Urban can pull off any look. This is a very pro-Carl Urban podcast. <laughs> always has been always will be he comes across the prince of rohan theodred who has been wounded on the battlefield so he grabs the prince throws him over his shoulder and goes back to rohan where it's pretty clear that king theoden has been compromised by a dude whose actual name is Wormtongue, <laughs> which is insane to me first i love how you have like one of these giant battle scenes you have bodies everywhere but they happen to find the one person that matters when they still, to, they're mean, all face down in the mud, they find the one that matters. Worm tongue. Let's talk about worm tongue. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Rohan? Have you looked at this guy? I mean, this is like, this is definitely one of the McPoyles. He's like reaching into the mind of King Theoden and Saruman's in there like, bump it. <laughs> <laughs> it is an exact McPoyle situation. You're right. 100%. And, and King Theoden looks awful does just, not look good just terrible like he's got the milky eyes and he's basically just a, a corpse sitting on a throne at this point and everybody's like nah he looks great he's a king." what <laughs> he's am still i gonna say making decisions and this strange rat man he keeps telling us <laughs> translating what the the dead king who's not dead is saying uh let's believe him nothing shady about that no this is totally normal stuff here worm tongue is clearly working with saruman just so he can get it on with Ilmar's sister, Eowyn who was played by Miranda Otto. I feel like Eowyn's like a stretch goal for him in this. Like, I feel like the power was what he needed, but then Eowyn (laughs) was just like, you know what? Never split the difference. I read a book on that once. Saruman was like, if you do a really good job, (laughs) I'll consider doing the mind thing on Eowyn too. And Wormtongue's just like, I don't even care if she's gonna get milky-eyed and old-looking. It's probably the best I can do. Just keep her a little bit warm. That's all I need. Ew. He's Wormtongue. <laughs> he is Wormtongue. Eomar figures it out real quick. He's like, "Yeah, there's something fucky about you." And Wormtongue is like, "Yeah, well, you're banished."
1: Just, Just like he that. You can do
0: that. I guess so. It's so like I got a signature from your from your your uncle, the king, right here. He's, it's this squiggly line that slowly falls off the page because, you know, he's barely alive. If you thought the politics in the United States were fucked, Rohan is an actual joke. (laughs) It's all just run by some guy named Wormtongue. And he just lives on a mountain, sort of. Like a mountain castle-type throne. And there's only like 20 huts and houses around him. It's like he's not ruling over a lot. It's a very small kingdom. I know this isn't the whole king. This is Aradas. It's their capital city. <laughs> but <laughs> those were the best air quotes I've ever seen. I mean, it's just a silly little thing. They're like, "Oh, King of the Horsemen." It's like that doesn't sound exciting at all. King of the Horsemen and not Bojack. <laughs> Probably for the better. It's about this time that Mary and Pip realize that the trees are alive, and that's going to be information that's very useful later. Later like 45 minutes from now. It's going to be a long time <laughs> later. In the meantime, the orcs are arguing amongst themselves about eating the hobbits, and it's like, no, we can't do that because we need to bring them to the place and the stuff. And that's when Iomar and his band of Rohan loyalists come in and just start slaying orcs left and right. They do, but these orcs and urukai I don't need to say that they're stupid. It's understood that they're stupid. They're the villain in this movie. How you have Merry, who thinks that they're just keeping them alive, so like they think we have the ring. What are they going to do? That? It's like, you can find a fucking ring real easily on this little man. It's not hard to do. These uruk can solve their problems real fast. Just look on the fingies, look on the neck for the thing, look anywhere. Does this guy have any jewelry on him at all? That always bugged me. They don't even look. They didn't even bother. They just took hostages. It's like, oh, well, let's bring it to the eye in the sky and hope for the vest. Hey, Saruman not know what to do with these guys, right? Okay, let's bring them back to the... Alive. That part's important, we hear. Why keep them alive? Because maybe so they can say, I don't have the ring. Ah, bam, Chef Orc Emerald here. What we're going to do is we're (laughs) going to put the hobbits over their fire. And we're going to cook them and then eat them. And if there's any metal left over, I guess we'll report that back to base. Bam. Way better strategy. It is. And they get fed. Meat's back on the menu, boys. They get to eat. They get to find out if there's any ring. Win-win. Then we also would lose Mary and Pip, and that would not be good. That would be bad, in fact, because they're delightful. They actually are. I can't argue with that. (laughs) All they want to do is drink and smoke and, yeah, all right. (laughs) And I understand them. You might as well just have a good time (laughs) while you're looking at the end of the world (laughs) from point blank range. (laughs) Shit's gone sideways. (laughs) Want to get fucked up? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We'll get there. The next morning, E.M.R. and his band of Rohan loyalists come across Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. After revealing that Saruman has captured the mind of King Theoden, Iomar's like, "Oh, we killed everybody over there. So like, if you had friends, they're gone. But you can go look, I guess." Why would they kill everybody? It's one of those things of like orcs and not orcs. It's really tell the difference. (laughs) Sorry, it was nighttime. I was orc blind. I was like, just kill them all. So just to be sure, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli go on to look for Merry and Pip, and they deduce that the hobbits escaped into the the forest of fangorn and this always bugged me about this movie because i've seen this movie so many times (laughs) aomer gives them two horses so aragorn is going to have a horse and you got legolas and gimli on another horse and the part that i always wanted to see was Aomer telling one of his riders rohan like hey you two you got to give them your horses and (laughs) you got to double up with someone else Get real cozy. Saddle up because we got to give these guys a horse because we might have killed their friends. Like, what is the hierarchy here? Where you're just like, "Hey, uh, Bimble and, Yo- <laughs> and Nimbly, <laughs> Nimbly, Bimble and Nimbly." I'm going to need you to hop <laughs> on the back of those horses there with e- e- Eobur and Yobingundur or whatever. <laughs> I think you're coming up with names the exact same way <laughs> that Tolkien <laughs> you just, did. You just go for it. What, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep drinking this delicious brown liquid and see what happens. <laughs> oh, I've come up with another name. But I really shouldn't pick on J.R.R. Tolkien that much. The guy was a linguist. For real. Yeah. There was just a shortage of other vowels at the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> In the forest, the two hobbits are rescued from a rogue orc by a giant walking tree with a beard, appropriately named Treebeard. Treebeard. I know he said he's a linguist. He's coming all funny names. But this one, he definitely phoned it in. This is like end of the <laughs> night. I'm drunk. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, well, I got a giant walking beard with a tree. What do I? Nope. Giant walking tree with a beard. <laughs> Strike that. Reverse it. What do I call him? Beard tree? Beard no. tree. Two on the nose. Tree beard. I'm a genius. Ah, uh, I will sell these books forever and ever. Of course, tree beard tells them, I am no tree. I am an ent. You're a fucking tree. It's, yeah, you're, it's in your name, bud. Your name isn't Engineer's Your name is Treebeard. <laughs> Treebeard is pretty pissed off about orcs in general, and he's never heard of hobbits, so he intends to bring them to the White Wizard to find out. Nobody's heard of hobbits.
1: Nobody.
0: Like, what the hell are hobbits? Where are you guys coming from all of a sudden? On every single map I've ever seen of Middle Earth, you see, like, only five towns named. Five. And the whole entire upper left corner is just the Shire and Hobbiton. It says nothing. We have no idea what hobbits are, and I'm sticking by it. I shall stick to my hill kingdom of my one hill. It is my (laughs) hill! If you try to take my hill from me, by golly, it'll be bad. They even put a fence around their hill. (laughs) Look, they don't want to expand any of the hill into the flat. That's not what they're about. No, no, we don't want any of that flat. Give me my hill, or give me death. That's what they said. That's the hill they're willing to die on. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> this is me pouring another drink. <laughs> Already? Oh, boy. Already. While all of this is going on, Gollum continues to lead Frodo and Sam through the dead marshes, but they're getting pretty hungry. Sam is still being a total dick to Gollum, but to be fair, Gollum did try to kill him. So, you know, warranted. The Dead Marsh is appropriately named because there's dead things in it, dead people in it. And Frodo gets in it at one point, too. Which yeah. Is, I've never understood this part. Let's keep moving. It's a long movie. He splashes in. Gollum pulls him out. Hey, Gollum's Gollum a hero. Me. Gollum is a hero. So now, now they really trust him, even though they already, you know, took him off the rope and said, show us where to go. Yeah, they're stupid. They deserve to die. <laughs> they should not make it to the threequel. That night, Frodo inquires about Gollum's backstory. He calls him by his name, Smeagol, because he already knows his backstory, apparently. Which makes the little dude go like, oh shit, I've got a name. And now they both like really like each other. <laughs> that happens often in this movie. We're going to get there real shortly. Then all of a sudden, a ringwraith shows up. But this time, it's not on some sort of skeleton horse. Dude has a straight-up dragon. Yeah, that's not the type of ringwraith you want to find you. No. He's just... Flying through the dead marshes, like, looking for some rings. And Frodo is tempted to use the ring to hide, but Sam is like, hey, don't do that. And then the ring just keeps flying on by. Doesn't see a bad ring I have what I think is the first of the caped IMDb trivia facts. Okay, I'm very curious. Elijah Wood's last name is a stage name. He changed it to Wood because my acting as stiff as a board would not fit on his SAG card. Both true. Elijah Wood. Uh... Can he portray emotion? I don't know. Yeah, the one. Bewilderment? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Did I get cast in a movie? Now, I could say you could do two in this one, because he does bewilderment, but then he also does, like, broke back curious at points. <laughs> broke back curious. Uh, occasionally, he does slightly angry bewilderment. But that's because the ring's so heavy. Heavy lies the ring. That's what they say. Back to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli now. They're in the forest looking for Mary and Pip, even though they're like, hey, they're dead. And they're like, no, they're not. But instead, they come across the White Wizard. But it's not the White Wizard you think it is. Surprise, it's Gandalf. He's alive. And they have a whole conversation. Aragorn's just like, hey, Gandalf, we missed you, bro. And he goes, oh, Gandalf. That's what they used to call me. Oh, my God, I remember (laughs) everything now. Oh, shit, I have a name, too. This is amazing. Say more words with your mouth. (laughs) Maybe I'll recall more of my backstory. (laughs) Flashback. Gandalf defeated the Balrog on top of an underground mountaintop or something. I don't understand the geography Don't think about it at all. It bugs the hell out of me. He says it's the highest peak at the lowest dungeons. You know what? I'm actually grateful for those words. I needed that. And I didn't know I needed (laughs) You know where it snows underground. Oh, one of those places. Why didn't you say so? Yeah, of course. Gandalf defeated the Balrog, died in the process, but he was revived as Gandalf the White. So, you know, through the the fire and the water, he did the thing, came back even better. Just cleaner, really. Yeah, and then he immediately throws on some gray stuff. Well, as you do. He's like, oh, I am am Gandalf the White. Now let me put on this gray sweater. Just dirtied up the white again. Gandalf tells them that Merry and Pip have their own mission that will result in the waking of the Ents. It's there's just so much foreshadowing happening here, and not so much foreshadowing as the movie tells you what's going to happen it's gonna before happen. it happens hours every time. from now. Yes. They bank on you forgetting because of the length of the movie. They do a good job then. That's <laughs> they the kind of, <laughs> of yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I did know this was going to happen because of what he said. Filmmaking is a bit of a magic trick. If you drag <laughs> something out long enough, you're going to forget what happens at the beginning, and then it's right. a surprise. It's just like the opening credits of the Hateful Eight when they mention Channing Tatum's in the movie, and you go, "What?" By the time he shows up, you're like, "Oh shit, Channing Tatum's oh, in this movie!" I was not ready for that. Oh, I should have quit in. You put it right there in the opening credits, and I just totally forgot. You clever bitch, quitting. You got me again. All right, I'll take you some feet pictures. <laughs> Honey, come on over here. Quentin got us. We owe him. (laughs) That was the deal we made when we bought the movie. (laughs) The Ten Little Piggies promise. (laughs) Gandalf whistles for a convenient horse because horses are super convenient in this movie. And this horse runs a long distance. And we know that because they show it. it. Gandalf's just like, oh, horsey. (whistles) And then the horse. Gallops over for the next 10 hours. And Legolas is like blown away by this horse. He's like, that's one of the famous horses. And Gandalf's like, that's right. His name is Shadowfax. He's the king of the horse. Watch how I ride the king. It's a very special horse. It is. So the four of them continue on to adore us. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Edoras. Edoras. I was not close at all. I don't know. I'm just drinking at this point. <laughs> listening to the story <laughs> unfold. Gollum, Frodo, and Sam reach the gate of Mordor, but it's like really busy today, so they can't get in undetected. <laughs> Such a busy day. And Mordor. It's like, oh man, everybody's in Mordor today. They're just like banging the gate down. We can't get in without being seen. What was their plan? They were gonna simply walk into Mordor despite being told previously that they cannot One simply do that. Simply does not walk into you're gonna do it anyway, huh? Yeah, All you're right, just gonna go up to the me. gate. Yeah, no, Let me try just it. Take a few of these large arrows in a, a movie ago, because <laughs> you're not gonna listen anyway when the time comes. Ugh. Bean out. Bean out. Never to return. Theatrically. <laughs> but we're doing extended baby. That's right. So we get more of that sweet, sweet bean later. We'll get there. Gollum tells them that he knows another way in. Sam is like, nah, bro. But Frodo's like, lead the way, Smeagol. Because that's the whole dynamic of these three. It kind of is, though. It's like they didn't have a plan, so they got this weird creature to kind of just follow. He's like, all right, I'll show you the way. I know there's like a huge conflict of interest here, and Sam recognizes <laughs> it. But Frodo's like, yeah, sure, let's just follow this guy. He'd Sam, you know this up. ring is heavy, metaphorically. <laughs> How are you not grasping that I need to listen to this creature? We need two people to carry the- No, don't let him- That's not what we need. Um, <laughs> It's heavy- but I need moral support. We already knew the front door wasn't going to work. Sam, you ever seen Broke Back Mountain? I don't know how to quit this creature. <laughs> We're bonded. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Gandalf arrive at Rohan. None of these words are real. <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf tells them of King Theoden's mind being corrupted by Saruman. And they're like, all right, cool. That's good information to have going in. The prince has died. Even though he was alive in the last scene, they kept him alive for reasons. Now he's dead. He ate it, yeah. And Eowyn, is that how you say her name? I still don't know. Yes. All right. It doesn't matter, Brian. She's very bummed. (laughs) She's super bummed about the prince dying. There's like a part of me that's like, man, Brian does care. He wants to get this right. A little bit of me is like, hey, I'm trying to tell the story. Might as well get the names right. The bare minimum. That is probably the bare minimum, isn't it? <laughs> yo is very upset about the passing of the prince, and Wormtongue is like, sometimes it bees like that. It's wise words from Wormtongue. He's just like, hey, shit happens. He must have passed in the night, which is not suspicious of, of at all for him to say. No, no, it's not. Just, oh, yeah, he must have just croaked last night while everybody was asleep. I had nothing to do with that. You need to trust me. Look at me. Do I look like a trustworthy person? (laughs) You look deep into my soulless eyes. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like he's straight out of, like, Harry Potter. He should be a Death Eater. Oh, 100%. He's that subtle. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Oh, joy. On Miranda Otto's first day of shooting, Liv Tyler was said to have welcomed her with enthusiastic open arms, saying, I'm so glad there's another woman in this film. And then Kate Blanchett, killed herself probably well she was probably like yeah you're right i just do vo (laughs) that's true (laughs) she's so good at vo she's excellent at it i mean uh, the best just to get it out of the way right now no this movie does not pass the bechdel test at all oh not even close no we will get there (laughs) it will not go well for it aragorn legolas gimli and gandalf ride into the kingdom and are disarmed by the soldiers. But they let Gandalf keep his staff, which is a big mistake. Huge. He says, why would you take a walking stick away from an old man? And the guy who's like disarming him, he's just like, you're right. You're right, old man. And then, he, and then Gandalf immediately turns and winks like he's not still standing in front of the guards. <laughs> there's a lot of subtext to this movie. No, no. There's a lot of text to this movie. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a ton of text. So, all right. So you have subtext, then you have the text. What is even more Blatant and obvious than that. I imagine you'd th- call it supertext. Because that's where we're living right now. In the supertext. Once they get inside the castle, Gandalf reverses the curse on King Theoden, and Wormtongue flees Rohan. Well, that's because <laughs> Gandalf walk up and he's like, I told you to take away his staff! I was very specific <laughs> about I this! specifically said, not the staff. You guys are the worst. Then I guess... Gandalf like bonked the king on the head and then he just <laughs> fell back and changed. He woke up and became young again. <laughs> oh, this movie's ridiculous and I love it. <laughs> king Theoden, like, Whoa, what? No, I was awake. I was awake. What the whole time. I didn't miss anything. I know uh, your face. Say Bernard my name Hill. so I remembered things. Bernard Hill, by the way. He's crushing it. He actually is. He's pretty good in, in that, you know, pig headed kingly kind of way. Yeah, we'll get there again. There's so many, we'll get there. It's such a long movie. They all hold a funeral for Prince Theodred. And afterwards, Gandalf is like, hey, Theoden, you going to come with us? You going to join our cause? And he's like, not a chance. And everyone's like, <laughs> for real? We just rescued you. And he's like, nope, I'm going to send all my people to safety at Helm's Deep. It's a strategy. He's like, yeah, I don't have the army to, to join whatever bullshit you guys are doing. So going to keep all my people safe and send them away. And Gandalf is like, all right. You guys go with them. I'm going to go find Eomer and his and his riders, and we'll see you in like five days. Five days when the sun rises. I want to be very specific yes, at the yes. time I'm going to arrive. It is going to be when the sun rises in five days. That's when I'll see you. And I do not understand how that works, because he has to, A, go find whoever he needs to find, yep. B, come back to the place that's right. not here, and he's going to say, fifth day when the sun rises, I'll be there. <laughs> when I drive... One town over using Google Maps, it's not even that close to being correct. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Gandalf Google mapped it ahead of time and saw it was only going to take three days. He's like, I better give myself some, some extra space there and show up on the morning of the fifth day. He's just camping out, like, over the hill. Like, he got there way too early. Yeah. They're just, like, hanging out. He's like, no, 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 hold on. I told them the morning of the fifth day. So just hold back. Gandalf, Gandalf, everyone's being slaughtered. We need to get down there and fight. I said the fifth day. (laughs) <laughs> and a wizard is always on time. It's beginning of the last movie. Did you see it? When Frodo said <laughs> I was late, a wizard comes when he says he's going to come. A wizard never lies about his ETA. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good friend, though. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, I told you I'd be there in the morning of the fifth day. I'm not going to show up the night of the fourth. That'd be so rude. You won't it be ready be. for you me. You won't be ready at all. There's last second things you need to get ready. There's so much stuff you have to shove into a closet before I show up. <laughs> In this case, it's dead bodies of Rohan people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Helm's deep. We, we will Somebody get there. Somebody will get there. It's in, probably in typical us fashion, we won't, but we'll say we will. I think this one we have to get back to, so. <laughs> That's fair. Just because of plot reasons. Brian. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a second. Okay. This is a new bottle when we started. Oh, dear. I am at the label of the buffalo right now for those following at home. I'm concerned for your head tomorrow morning. I am having a ball right now, though. That's all that matters. A hangover never lies about his ETA. That's right. It will be here tomorrow morning. (laughs) On the morning of tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, and Eowyn also totally has the hots for Aragorn. Who doesn't, though? I don't know. I think every woman in the movie has the hots for Aragorn. She should go watch Eastern Promises. He hangs dog in that. Eowyn, if you're listening to the podcast, now you know. And Eowyn, if also if you're listening, go back and listen to History of Violence. Really good episode that we did. And he likes doing it on stairs, so maybe just go wait on stairs. Yeah. Just go look <laughs> seductive laying on a staircase. Super aggressive, though. That's true. On the stairs. Although, he gets pretty aggressive on the stairs in this movie, too. There's a lot less sex involved, but getting aggressive on the... We'll get there. We'll we get will there. get there. Wormtongue tells Saruman of Gandalf's return And the elf dwarf and man that accompany him. And Saruman deduces that the man is the lost king of Gondor based on the description of a ring he wears, which is like, wow, good thing you had that page of the book open already. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And instead of being like, oh, no, it's it's this guy, the the lost king of Gondor. He's like, it doesn't matter. We're going to kill all of them anyway. Not wrong. That is the plan. So... Wormtongue, being very familiar with King Theoden and and how he rules his kingdom and whatnot, he's like, yeah, they're not going to hang out there. They're going to evacuate the city and flee to Helm's Deep for sure. And Saruman's like, cool, that's where we'll go get him. Meanwhile, Frodo is like, Sam, why you got to be so mean to Smeagol? And Sam was like, because he sucks. All he wants is the ring. (laughs) And Frodo's like, what do you know about the ring, asshole? So, you know, there's some tension building between Frodo and Sam. Sexually and emotionally, I have to imagine. They're not on the best of terms right now. No, no, they're not. Lover's quarrel. At night, Gollum and Smeagol struggle with their desire to help Frodo and also their insatiable desire for the ring. Competing desires. That's right. Smeagol tells Gollum to go away. And he does. And Smeagol does a little happy dance and celebration. He brings food to the hobbits. and Sam cooks the animals, lamenting that they'd better with potatoes. And... Let's get to the first of the Facebook questions, because there's a bunch. <laughs> Derek Ives wrote in, and he wants to know, what's the best way to consume potatoes? How did you choose one? I'm a big tot guy, man. Uh, tots are phenomenal. I, when in doubt, I go tots, but I'm always a fan of some seasoned curlies. Seasoned curlies? Like an Arby's seasoned curly? Yeah. That does it for me, man. Every time. Or yeah. even if you go, like, Chick-fil-A, waffle it up. Yeah, waffle fries. I feel like waffle fries are exciting at first, but by the end, it's like, ah, this is just bad fries. <laughs> it's not bad fries. They're so large that you get less, I feel like. Potentially. Like you get to the bottom too quickly because they're so big. So the trick is more waffle fries will be better. Or smaller waffle fries. Well, then, then you barely get any waffle. I only need one. At that point, you might as well do, like, hash browns. That's true. is another great way to potato. Phenomenal potatoes. And I feel like in uh, traditional bubblegum fashion, that that's all I got on that. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. We're big fans of seasoned curlies. There, if we have to put a definitive answer. Smeagol's pretty upset that Sam's cooking whatever he's cooking because he would rather have it raw. Maybe I like it raw, Dave. I have an. Maybe I like IMDb it raw. Actual IMDb trivia fact. Yeah. New line. were so convinced that Wida would be unable to pull off a convincing golem that they hired Industrial Light and Magic to take a stab at it. This only made Weta work harder to deliver the goods, which they did to Oscar winning effect. I love how they like pitted the two giants up against each other. Right? It's like, ah, oh, they're not to be able to do this. Get ILM on it. And they were like, the fuck you say? And they doubled down and made a great Gollum. They really did. And I'm happy they hit it till this movie too, because we see Gollum in fellowship. Yeah. Like over a rock and it's just his eyes, and you're just like, oh, okay, that's a thing. All and right, here, like you something. get the big reveal of Gollum. They really hit us with a we'll get there in the first movie. Yeah, they did. It's great. While Sam and Smeagol are talking about potatoes, Frodo witnesses an ambush by the rangers of Ithilien. Sure. All right. And they're led by Faramir, who's played by David Wenham. He's back. He got the job because he looks like Sean Bean. He looks so much like Sean Bean. (laughs) We've seen him before in 300. We did. And they come over, they, they grab the hobbits, and they take them to Hennethanun. <laughs> did you stroke out? I did a little bit. <laughs> just wanted to rush through that because I have no idea about the pronunciation of anything. On the long journey to Helm's Deep, Eowyn is still hitting on Aragorn. Just relentless. Hard, too. And he reveals that he's 87 years old, a descendant of Numenar, and blessed with long life. So, you know, they're keeping it light, casually, in the in the conversation realm. Well, it's kind of fucked, and we'll get there again, because there's an Arwen thing that's about to happen with mortality, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, you guys got it better than most. Trust me. It's very true. But we will get there. We will get there right now, because that night, he dreams of Arwen, who is of course, played by Liv Tyler. I can't believe that happens that quickly, because right? this is so long, what happens here. It's so long. <laughs> it's so long. So he he has a dream about her and probably some animal crackers involved. <laughs> and i'm not sure how much of this is a dream or how much of it goes into a flashback i don't know what's I'm happening unsure. in this dream at all i agree but hugo fucking weaving elrond comes to aragorn he's like hey maybe leave my daughter alone it's a good daddy move so aragorn goes and he tells arwen to fuck all the way off so she could be safe and that's that's like The dream, I guess? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea if this is a dream or not. I have no idea. we come back to it later, but it's more of a flashback and less of a dream. I don't know how any of this works. Well, is this the necklace thing? Yeah. Because we see the necklace that Arwen gives Aragorn, and then that plays a big role. And Eowyn's like, hey, where'd you get the necklace? And he's like, that's an elf lady I used to bone. And she's like, do you still bone? And he goes, I don't know. He's like, well, not right now because she's not here, but maybe someday. But she's supposed to be going uh, to the west, in the west, to the west. So she's gonna be there, and you're gonna be here, and I might get that. I don't know. I'm gonna lead you on a hundred percent. He's going to. (laughs) That's
1: what's gonna happen.
0: You know, she's the other woman in the movie. That's right. Back in the present, a whole mess of orcs riding giant hyenas descend upon the travelers. King Theoden tells Aowan to lead the women and children to Helm's Deep while the men fight off the orcs. But that's kind of fucked also because she's pitched she's like, I could fight. And he's like, I know, but I need someone to lead he's also. Like, that's like, cool. You, do you understand like, the responsibility I'm giving you here? Jesus Christ, it's not a feminism thing. I'm telling you to lead. <laughs> I'm putting you in a leadership role. Why isn't your brother still alive? <laughs> like, if I die, I need you to become, you know, the person. This is how hierarchy works, and royalty, I think. You know, we need you to stay alive so that you might have a son. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, not said, but it's probably implied somewhere, <laughs> I imagine. It's a tough battle, but the riders of Rohan managed to win. But in the midst of battle, Aragorn is thrown from a cliff, and everybody else is like, what happened to Aragorn? Uh, He he went off that cliff. They're like, all right, well, let's keep going then. Yeah, let's not bother looking. There's a river there, so clearly the water's got him, I think. Yep. And on we go. Let's just keep on walking. I'm not even going to look over the ledge. Let's just keep walking. The people of Rohan arrive safely in Helm's Deep, and Eowyn immediately recognizes the absence of Aragorn. She's like, where is he? And they're like, oh, yeah, he might have died during the battle. And she gets briefly wet-eyed about it. Briefly. Gimli is really, really hurt about it. He's like, he fell, and just leaves it. And he's clearly just a dwarf who's upset. And that's the worst type of dwarf. It is the worst type of dwarf. The best part about him saying he fell is that he's technically correct. I love that line. And I've seen this movie so many times, and this was the first time it landed with me, of like, did he fall in battle? Did he fall off a cliff that she doesn't know is there? (laughs) Did he trip? (laughs) We don't really know. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, he's actually got just a bum ankle. He's out there. You know, we gave him, like, a crutch and said, we'll see you at Helm's Deep. Good luck. <laughs> he's walking with the wizard staff. Aragorn the White. <laughs> he shows up. That way. Everybody dies and comes back the white. The white. He just looks ridiculous. Like, his hair is perfect. He's got all white He's like... Uh, am I a ranger still? No? Someone say my name. I need to know my backstory. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody tell me who I am, and can I add <laughs> the white to the end of it? Am Aragorn in the white? Can I say that? Is that allowed? No? Do I have to change back into other colored clothes? What are the rules? Saruman has an enormous army of orcs, like 10,000 or so, and he knows a weakness in the walls of Helm's Deep, so shit's about to go down. I like how they show that weakness. Yeah, they're just like, hey, there's like a... Like a tunnely thing. It's a drain. And guess what? We're making bombs. We are making bombs. No mystery at all. None. Super text. Dave, I have another what I think is a cape time to be trivia fact. Hit me. The Horn of Saruman is actually a recording of the Cape Podcaster's host, Brian Betts, yelling at the television and heavily repurposed to create what it is we heard in the movie. Mike Hopkins, the sound editor for the franchise, said it was a lot of fun but still can't figure out why the studio didn't give him real instruments. What I love about that is it's caped and it's not me. So, bravo, somebody. Bravo. It was blatantly caped. And yes, the Horn of Saruman was me yelling at my television. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't talked about Mary and Pip in a while. That's right. They're riding their tree bud. They're, They're trying to talk Treebeard into leading the tree folk into the fight for Middle Earth. And he's like, not my chair, not my problem. Ah, right, that was a good scene. Yep, that was it. <laughs> Aragorn is floating in the river, still having dreams about Arwen. And then another convenient horse comes along. It's the same horse. It's the same horse? Yes, he says, oh, Prego, which is the horse. That, but I thought uh, that the, 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 first horse, had. the first horse was white, and this one was brown. No, the white horse, I think, was Gandalf's. Prego, I believe, is the horse uh, of the fallen prince. The, the Theoden son. Oh. Like, oh, this horse used to be tamed or whatever. And it's like, this is the same horse. This horse found him. This is, that makes it an even more convenient horse. It does. The convenience has <laughs> greatly gone up on this horse. I was already saying it was a convenient horse, but now it is the most convenient horse. This is Deus Ex horse. Oh, 100%. <laughs> A horse comes along, shakes him awake, and then lies all the way down so Aragorn can climb on top of the horse, who somehow knows to bring him to Helm's Deep. This is the best horse ever; it knows exactly what its job is. Well, we know that there's one horse out there who knows that he's a king horse. Also, I think that's true. Yes, he's tamed by a man, but he's also king horse. Uh-uh, damn it, I'm king of the horses. But I love how this horse works so hard to wake up Aragorn. <laughs> he's just kicking him and trying he to roll him beat- over. The and... shit out of Vico. <laughs> Unreal. Now, I know Vigo suffered some injuries on set, like most people did in this movie. Yes. Was it it a result of getting kicked by the horse? I hope it's getting kicked by the horse. (laughs) I don't know, but uh, everyone got hurt in this movie, yes. Everyone. It's wild. So speaking of those dreams of Arwen that Aragorn is still having, even though he's like face down in a river, I think this is a continuation of that. I don't know. Elrond comes to Arwen and is like, all right, time to get the hell out of here. And she's like, I don't want to go. And Elrond is like... Look, Aragorn is a man. You'll never be happy together because he's mortal as fuck, and you'll spend so much time just really bummed out about him being dead. Like eternity. Like forever and ever, he's going to be dead, and you're going to be like, but daddy, he's got the long life. Eternity versus long life is very different. So different. One of those is going to end, and one of those will continue. Why aren't you listening? And have you seen Orlando Blonde? He's gorgeous. Just go for that. Exactly. But Daddy, I don't want to be a green leaf. Cause yeah, that's like, all this is that's last fair. Name. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that angle too. Cause Undomil is so much better than <laughs> Green Leaf. Ah, uh, it's all great. All these names, <laughs> they're fantastic. I think Elrond would have a better time reaching Arwen if he sang everything to her instead, like really high pitched. Like, spend some time to stretch out his mouth a little bit. I'd listen a little better, I think. And just be like, I don't want you to live with that guy. I don't want him. I don't know. I'm- Arwen, take <laughs> these crackers that look like horses. <laughs> well, it gets a lot more gross when it's her dad doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he should just be singing this song while Aragorn's doing it. Yeah, the flashback with Aragorn and her talking, like, by the waterfall. And he's like walking the horse crackers up the side of her. And he goes, Arwen. This is translated from Elvish, of course. Right. Of course. Right. Naturally. Do you think anybody's doing what we're doing right now? And she's like, well, yeah, or else what the hell are we fighting for? (laughs) And then you cut to Hugo Weaving, just rocking out. (laughs) That's right. So Arwen eventually leaves with all of her other cloak lantern carrying elf buddies for people who are escaping, there's a lot of fucking pageantry. There's a whole lot of pageantry for trying to be stealthily moving. Like, I feel like they left this part out of Schindler's List in the ghetto scene. <laughs> All the pageantry of escaping a doomed scenario. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Line up, single file, put on your cloaks, hold up your lantern, let's and get this you right. you are going to be wearing red. <laughs> <laughs> because of art. Art said you're wearing red, and you, with your pointy ears, you turn to the camera. You break ranks. That's right. You look right at the camera. (laughs) Because Art said so. That's right. And you know what? You don't worry about where Paul Simon is. No, you don't. He doesn't worry about where Art is. That's right. So So after all this, we cut to Galadriel, played, of course, by Kate fucking Blanchett. And she drops some brief exposition. She's like... Sauron says, I gotta get rid of Gondor, and Frodo will for sure die. So the question is, do we fuck around, or do we find out? <laughs> Couldn't have put her any better. <laughs> I like that this is like posed as a question to Elrond. Like, hey, should the elves get involved or not? And, and he's like, I guess we'll find out in a later scene, because I'm not making the decision now. Cut. good I'm glad we didn't watch that weird elf man think for real well Mr. Anderson Elrod you don't have time I'm immortal I do I'm everywhere just find me a phone don't tell him he's in the wrong movie we got I can't (laughs) believe we got Hugo to do this don't tell him Do you know how long it took me to convince him to take off the sunglasses for this shot? He's legit hot off the Matrix. It never happens. (laughs) Faramir asks Frodo and Sam what the hell they're up to. And Frodo tells him about their party. He's like, well, there were seven of us and we we were going around walking, doing the walkie walks. (laughs) And when he brings up Boromir, he's like, yeah, Boromir was with me. Faramir's like, yo, that's my brother. He got straight up Nate Coxed. You know, the guy who looks just like me. Great casting. Terrific casting. They were like, hey, we need somebody who looks like Sean Bean. Got him. Is this where we flash back? Oh, yeah, we flash back. And what's crazy about this is that the flashback is only in the extended, which just goes to show you that this movie is so good and so long that they were able to still cut Sean fucking Bean out of it and be okay. Entirely. An entire storyline and stakes for a character are gone. Yeah, they were just like, you know what? That's for the people who really care. And it works. It works really, really well. It sure does. Unless you're going for things like momentum. No, it's slam on the brakes. (laughs) Hard. People love Boromir. He leads the shit out of Gondor. They celebrate the taking of Osgiliath, Boromir and Faramir's father, Denethor, played, of course, by John Noble. He shows up and he's like, Boromir's great. Faramir sucks. The wrong kid died. That's exactly what it is. Denethor is like, hey, Boromir, go give me that ring. I for sure will not be sending Faramir because he's the worst. (laughs) He is the worst. Back in the present, Faramir and friends are like, hey, Frodo, we found that Gollum thing you said wasn't with you guys. And they're totally going to kill him. So Frodo's like, okay, don't do that. He is with me. We're soul bonded. I don't know how to quit him. And then Frodo goes to, like, trick him in the most obvious way imaginable. Yeah, he just, like, runs down he's like, hey, Smeagol, how you doing? Come with me. Everything's fine. Yeah, that's right. Smeagol, just walk just like that. Right into this not trap. (laughs) Walk this way. (laughs) Uh, Gollum, uh, hey, diddle diddle, put your kitty in the middle. And walk this way. And walk this way. Still can't believe those are the lyrics of that song. <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> should believe the lyrics of that song exist. Unbelievable. So Frodo retrieves Smeagol, brings him up, and of course, immediately Faramir and company grab him, take him prisoner, start kicking him, just really not being nice to old Smeagol. Sam tells Frodo to put the ring on and get out of there without him because he's like, hey, you got to get that ring out of here. This shit's getting wild. And Frodo's like, I don't know what's going to happen if I put the ring on. I don't think I can do it. And Faramir overhears all of this. So he's like, oh, you guys have that ring. You know, it'd be pretty neat if I took that and proved to my daddy that I was worth something. Yeah, that's a stupid idea, Faramir. Yeah. and Sam Wrong was like, kid died. Sam's like, hey, don't do not do that. Let, let us do our thing. We're going to continue our quest, right? And Faramir's like, mm, probably not. Now, Faramir, let me tell you about <laughs> video games for a second. This is Sam talking. You are what's called a checkpoint. <laughs> exactly. And realistically, you could either give me a side quest or not. Like I could choose to accept whatever side quest you're going to give me, or I can carry on with my main mission. It's your but right choice. Now, but you just are me in limbo, not consequential to whatever's happening. Brown kid died. <laughs> it's all right. I saw Faramir. I saved my game. I'm ready to continue. Can we? Can we go? They don't go. They get attacked. They sure do. But about that time, Aragorn, finally awake on his miracle horse. Sees the giant orc army that's approaching Helm's Deep. So, you know, he speeds up. (laughs) He doesn't even speed up. He, like, comes out from behind a rock and goes, oh, 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 oh. back it up, Uh back uh it up, uh back it up. I'm the only black thing dressed here that is surrounded by these gray stones. I hope they didn't see me. And then he hurries up to get to Helm's Deep and warn everyone of the impending battle. He's like, yeah, they're going to be here tonight, but not until after he goes through his whole welcome back party. He goes through this thing and he comes in like a fucking queen. He walks in. He's like, "Yeah, I'm alive. What's up, bitch?" He like knocks open those doors and just like stumbles his way in, like all badass. Like we watched you walk normally already, Aragorn. You don't have to put on the act. <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh, it's so good to see you. We're all so happy." You said not to put on this act, but yes, bitch, I dare. I'm a queen. <laughs> Yeah, you thought I fell, but now I'm back. I've risen. I have risen, betch. Aragorn the White. <laughs> I'm still dressed in all black, but trust me. This is what's in this season, betch. And he goes over to Legolas. And he's like, hey, hey, you're late. I love that line. That is a very good line. Very good line. And then he's like, hey, I held on to something for you. And he gives the necklace back to Aragorn. Because Aragorn gave the necklace to somebody at some point, <laughs> sure. And while that's happening, Aowan's over in the corner, like, "Oh, he's back! I'm so happy!" And then he then she sees the exchange of the necklace. And she goes, "Ah, shit! Ah, oh, son of a bitch! He passed the MacGuffin!" Damn it! Now, now, how am I gonna get on that? He's in love with Liv Tyler, who may or may not be here. No clue. No idea. I love Gimli comes like walking through the crowd. He's like, "Ah, oh, I'm gonna kill him." That selfish bastard. Like, good for you, man. Yeah. This, this trifecta is just amazing. They, uh, they have a great relationship, these three. They do. King Theoden claims that there's no way Helm's Deep can fall. And Aragorn's like, yeah, well, there's a lot of people coming. May- maybe you should, uh, I don't know, ask for help from Gondor. And Theoden's like, Gondor doesn't give a shit about us. He's right. He is right. And I have another caped IMDB trivia <laughs> fact. Okay. Just to break up some, some time here. This movie was originally titled The Lord of the Rings, Miscongeniality 3, Congeniali-er, Congeniali-er. <laughs> Congeniality-er, congeniality Yeah, congeniality Year. part two, Bullock's Revenge, Benjamin Bratt. Yes. So many colons. <laughs> yeah, all of it. It's all true, too. Uh, what a great name. Did not fit on the clapboards. They said, let's just go with the name of the book. All right, <laughs> two towers. Easier. Miss congeniality 3, congeniality Yeah part two, Bullock's Revenge, Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, he's in that movie. I couldn't believe it when imdb beat it for that joke. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. Busy movie. <laughs> Back with Marion Pip. The Ents begin their very long conversation about whether or not to involve themselves in the upcoming war. It takes them so long to talk about so many things. It's nighttime by the time they finish saying good morning. Yeah, that's got to piss off anyone. For real. And I love, love... Love the Hobbit's reaction. How it's like, why wouldn't you get involved in this? You're a part of this world. It's like, hey, um, last time I checked, I'm one of the assholes who lives in this world. <laughs> you gotta Guardians them, that argument. <laughs> you gotta you gotta pull the rocket. A <laughs> one wants to fight with the boys really bad, but everyone is like, it's probably best if you take care of the women and children underneath Helm's Deep. And she's like, that's bullshit. But she does. She goes and she she's gonna watch over them. Once again, she's being put in a leadership role that she's not cool with. She's like, I don't want leadership. I want to die next to Aragorn. Stupid choices, kid. Stupid choices. Very silly. Everyone prepares for war. And then a horn sounds. But it's not the approaching orcs. It's the elves. They've come to join the fight. And I love this kind of prep scene because this movie is slow, admittedly. Yes. It's the biggest problem with this movie. But Peter Jackson was smart enough to even slow it down a little bit more here. And you start seeing, like, these kids putting on armor. Yeah. Even, like, this is how big the fight is. Yeah. Everybody has to get involved. You see, like, people getting pulled away from their family, like, sorry. Like, you gotta fight. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's slower, but it really sets the stakes of this battle. Well, this movie does do a bit of a magic trick, because the entirety of the last hour of this movie is the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yeah. And it's amazing, the way that it's paced out and the way that it's shot and the story's told. And it's almost a bit of a stroke of genius to pull back a slow movie just so the effect is there of the pace at the end. I can see how you'd say that and think that. I love the way this film is made. I mean, yeah, I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to yuck your yum. I appreciate that. I'm terrified for the super stuff score. <laughs> we will fight. There's going to be some, <laughs> some terrible things said, probably. Yes, probably. The orcs finally arrive. It's time for a fight. An old dude accidentally shoots an arrow into an orc's face, and it's on. It's all it took. It, it also, it had a rain, because rain's well, yeah. cool in fights. Yeah, I mean, if it's not raining yet, we can't fight. Everybody knows that. I kind of want to talk about Helm's Deep right now, but I kind of don't. I kind of want to maybe save it for when we talk about style, tone, maybe setting, but Helm's Deep looks amazing. It is uh, very well done with their, their miniatures and their their maxiatures, or whatever you want to call them. I don't know what to call it, but it's like just brilliant filmmaking, being able to mix all these different styles together and making it work. And everything that's about to happen made me appreciate how difficult it is to film a battle scene. Because most battle scenes like a Braveheart or like in the Patriot or something like that, like it's a small battle that happens within the movie. Right. Like Gladiator. How there's a beginning, middle, and end of the flow of it. Yeah. But with this, it is so long and so drawn out. It takes so long to get through. And it has like almost three acts within the acts because you get your all hope is lost even towards the end of this. Like It is so well done. How they even make it just feel claustrophobic at the end of it. Oh, my God. It is just a complete masterclass of filmmaking. You're gushing. I really am. I really, <laughs> really am. It blows my mind. It really blows my mind. Well, let's talk about it. I don't want to. I'm good now. That's what All I right. had to say. All right. Well, let me <laughs> skip the Battle of Helm's Deep, then. <laughs> so then Sam and and Frodo are close to the mountain. That's the movie. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about it. All right. They're firing arrows from atop the fortress wall. The orcs whip out some giant ladders. People are getting got left and right. Just, you know, battle stuff. You feel the ambush, though, because you see the elves firing all these arrows. Just these flourishes. And you watch the orcs dropping. And you have even these elves that are down below firing over this wall. Like, just fucking fire. There's so many of them, you're probably going to hit something. Right. You can't see, but, like, just do it. But what I love is the scale of the orcs because you watch them fall and you recognize it's not even making a dent because there's so many of them. There's so they just keep coming. But when the ladders even go up, it's like they're properly raiding and they're throwing the ladders and they're taking care of business of whoever comes up those ladders. But there's right. just so many of them. Just sheer numbers, man. It makes it makes it difficult. It does. Legolas and Gimli start comparing their kill numbers like immediately. they're so good. It's the (laughs) best. (laughs) I just love how Gimli is treated the entire movie as like, hey, we need somebody to laugh for a second here. Can we get Gimli to say something? Cool. It's enough to break whatever tension is there. It's enough. It's not overdone until it is, but it's enough. (laughs) (laughs) They're holding off the army for the most part. And Theoden says smugly into the night. This is all you got, Saruman? What are you Which, doing? You, n- you never never do that. Come on. No! Everybody knows don't jinx the battle. Especially when it's five minutes old. Right. And that's when the orcs plant the bomb in the small drain opening in the wall and blow the whole damn thing up. Then they start to gather at the gate with a battering ram. And when that wall blows up and you see the giant chunks of stone like landing on the orc army and it still doesn't even make a dent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so well done. And that wide shot is gorgeous. And then you have the elves holding off the oncoming orcs at the gap in the wall and Aragorn, like, you know, charge. And then he does the weird lean back thing before running forward. Yeah. It's all real cool. That's why the one lady, no, it's like two ladies who want him. That's right. There's two ladies in this movie and they both Both ladies want him. Want him. That is 100% of the ladies in this movie. So good on them. (laughs) The orcs start to gather at the gate with a battering ram. Even though they've blown a hole in the wall, now they're like, we want this entrance too. (laughs) We've we've conquered stone. It is now time to conquer wood. (laughs) We will conquer all the building materials. (laughs) And it's about this time that Legolas surfs. And as awesome as this fight scene might have been, I'm now completely out of it. It's so brief. It's not, though. It's so, so brief. And that's not the part that should pull you out. He's grinding on the staircase, and they show it at three different angles, the entirety of the staircase. Yeah. So unnecessary. Yes. I agree. So silly. It is silly, but in a film that set up all these stakes, you understand how important it is for them to just survive at this point. How you have this army that's sent Not even to prove a point. It's just to destroy man. Yeah, right. Having any bit of comic relief is okay. You're going with comic relief. That's what it is in my mind, because this is ridiculous. Yes. (laughs) That's a solid argument, I guess, that they were trying to be funny. I thought they were like, hey, Legolas has this really cool moment right here, because that's, that's what the score would have you think it is. Well, it's right out of the book, though, how it even says and the armies of mordor and isengard came onto the walls and then legolas hung ten as he started blasting <laughs> away ah uh, i love whenever tolkien uses blasting away he's a linguist absolutely i think even the movie realizes at this point that what they just did was silly so we cut away to the ends we do cut away <laughs> And they have finally made their decision that they're not going to get involved. And Mary and Pip are like, are you kidding me? We just wasted all this time in these safe, safe woods. We should be grateful, but we're not. Please join the fight. Please join the fight. And we go back to the fight. The war wages on. The leader of the elves, Haldir, he dies. He gets got. And we're like, oh no, that guy who was in the movie for a minute, now he's dead, I feel sad. Ah, uh, we barely knew you. Which is true. <laughs> which is very true. And then the orcs breach the gate. That's not good. That is, like, the last thing you really want. And Dave, I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. It's a weird time to pull it, because we are mid-fight scene, and I'm into it. There were so many extras used in the sequences in Helm's Deep. And the filming went on for so many months that almost all of the extras and principal actors got t-shirts reading, I survived Helm's Deep. There were so many of these shirts that extras would often meet each other in New Zealand's main cities because they would recognize the shirts. And if you look online, there's some bullshit knockoffs of it, it looks like. Of course. Of just, I survived Helm's Deep, whatever. And one's just like, oh, I survived Helm's Deep, but it's got the M crossed out, so it's Hell's Deep. Ah, oh, do you get it? H-E double hockey sticks. But it's not. It only has one H e E hockey stick. (laughs) Oh, God. People, man. (laughs) It's it's, it's a great joke, I guess. Yeah, I guess. For that guy. Something like that. (laughs) Right. Pip convinces Treebeard to bring him and Mary to Isengard where they can sneak up on Saruman. He's like, that doesn't sound like a great plan to me, but you guys are little. Maybe you can pull it off. All right, I'll bring you there. And when they arrive outside Isengard, Treebeard sees the damage that Saruman has done to the forest, and he immediately changes his mind. He's like, this is insanity. And he yells to the trees to fight the orcs in Helm's Deep, while he and the other Ents descend upon Isengard. Well, it's crazy, because he walks out of the forest into what should be more forest, and he gets, like, a a good... 100 yards out, and Indy goes, oh, hold on oh, a second. Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Where's Herman? <laughs> my friends used to be trees here. Which <laughs> is a weird thing to say. Just in general, these trees were my friends. Now we must kill the wizard. and They, they go for it, man.
1: Man, all of a sudden, these
0: Ents just emerge from the forest, and you're like, oh, shit's about to go down. That's not what you want. The tree's fighting back like it's the fucking happening. (laughs) (laughs) So instead, we cut over to Sam, telling Faramir about the Ring driving Boromir mad, and that's why he died. And that's when a Ringwraith suddenly emerges over Osgiliath. Shit's on there, too, now. Everything's on. It's on no matter where you go. Oh, also, there's, like, a bunch of orcs attacking them, too, because they're everywhere. Back at Helm's Deep, uh, morale is pretty low at this point. They're like, oh, man, the orcs are inside the castle. This is bad. Well, there's, like, just a small group of people within, like, the main foyer or whatever it is. And they're like, <laughs> all right, what do you want to do? What's the plan here? And the they- king's just like, I <laughs> do I don't know, let's just take a spear to the fucking chest and end it. We're done. We're done, Zoharacorn. <laughs> we got, we got nothing left. What What are we supposed to do? We surrender? Do you, I, I think I got a nice collection of white flags over here in this drawer. Uh, or, alternatively, we can give the women and children time to escape and, you know, run out there as the, the remaining warriors and ride this bitch out until, until the very end. You know, give them some time to get away. And that's what they do. They sure do. They, they get on their horses, they ride out into the oncoming orcs, and as the sun rises on this the fifth day, Gandalf appears on his horse on the top of a hill, backlit by the sun. <laughs> You're right, majestically. And then, of course, Aomar and the riders of Rohan are right there with him, and they turn the tides of the battle. They just ride through them on horses. Yep. Yeah, didn't know. And that there's you- some great shots in there. You could do that the whole time, just ride through them with horses. They- they're very bad when you ride through them with horses. It's their weakness. (laughs) It's the biggest one. (laughs) It's because they sent all those hyena dogs to the other battle. That's right. Meanwhile, the Ents are just absolutely destroying Isengard. Oh, they're fucking it up so hard. They break open a dam and it floods the orc and weapon mines. And they're just like, all right, let's let's get this stupid wizard out of here. And they start smashing shit and going nuts like trees do. That line reading from John Reese who is Treebeard also, yes. double-dipping on this thing, is unleash the river. It's very it's good. It's so goofy and perfect, man. It's, Treebeard might be my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> oh, he's terrific. <laughs> I don't know if he's my favorite part of this movie. There's so many favorite parts of this movie for me. I feel like for some, there might be several favorite parts. And I want to go on record. This is my least favorite of the three of the, okay. the trilogy. It's doing some heavy world building. I feel it's all world building, <laughs> all of it, and we'll get there. Frodo is drawn to the Ring Wraith, and he tries to hand it the ring. He's just like, you know We're what, a fucking idiots. You want this? This is what you're looking for. And he starts to hand to him, and Sam is like, Hey, don't do that. And he tackles him, and they full form Ray Lewis sack. <laughs> like we had to bring on the concussion team to check Frodo's pupils and everything. Just <laughs> it was bad. No, they struggle. I can see Will Smith coming out from his concussion movie or whatever. <laughs> and he slaps the shit out of Frodo to wake him up. And then he goes, you, you don't have concussion. The ring is just very heavy. <laughs> Keep the one ring out the fucking ring wraith's hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing this movie's missing. <laughs> so Sam and Frodo, you know, they, they tumble around, they struggle. And then Frodo draws his sword on Sam. That's not good! Sam's like, dude, it's me. And Frodo's like, ah, shit, it's you. This is bad. I I think I've had enough. This is too much. I don't know what to do now. And Sam's like, we're not even supposed to be here today.
1: It's perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then Sam asks how the world can go back when so much bad has happened. But he knows that even darkness must pass. And the key is that the people in all the greatest stories don't turn back when faced with insurmountable adversity because good is worth fighting for. Now, Brian. Yes. Tell me that's not amazing. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah, it is. It's pretty great. The way they were like, Sam, Sam said a thing, and then we we're like, maybe we make it into a speech and we show other stuff happening too while Sam is still speaking. And, you know, really give this thing a whole theme, a thesis maybe beautiful man it they, really is they, it, they, they it, waited until three hours into the movie but they're like there's a point to this this line right <laughs> here is the rug it pulled the whole movie together yeah they managed to do it faramir overhears all of this and he decides to let frodo sam and Gollum go understanding how important their quest is and knowing that his life will be forfeit They let it be forfeit it's a big sacrifice. It is a huge sacrifice. He's like, ah, my dad thinks I'm a fuck up anyway. Let him go. What do I have to lose? My life? Oh, God. Okay. Um, That is all I had. Okay. So, right. uh, forfeit. Fun. Well, if we don't do this, I'm going to die anyway, right? So, I guess eventually the right kid will die. <laughs> That's right. Daddy will be proud of me for dying at the right time. <laughs> or just in general. We'll get there. We'll get there. Because Brian has committed to talking about the Lord of the Rings, The Return yeah, of the King. I don't like the way you phrased that like it was my decision. No, it was totally mine. I <laughs> strong-armed the hell out of Brian and made it happen. He's like, we have to do it. And I was like, we nah. have to do it. We have to do it. You can't just leave a trilogy with only two. I have this long. That's a good point. But still. <laughs> <laughs> How much longer really is forever? You've never seen Return of the King, though, and that is a special movie to me. All right. Because it's special to you. I, I guess I will have to do it. That's the one that won all them Oscars. So it I won imagine so I'll, many Oscars. I might have a good time. We'll see. We'll find out the hard way. Time will tell. We'll get eventually. There. Right. Back at Helm's Deep, the orcs retreat into the forest where the trees exact their revenge. They just they just start stomping out orcs. It's really good because we don't see any of it. We just see the nope. trees start wobbling. We you know trees. badness is happening. Yeah. are like, oh, those works. They're, they're getting theirs. And the battle is won. Dave, I have another caped IMDb trivia fact. Ooh, a late one. Body count in this movie is 468. Body count after the Cape Podcasters reviewed this film, 469. Yeah, I'm just assuming that you're going to kill yourself. Yeah, you know, that's, um, that's, that's, we'll see. You know, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. We'll get there. <laughs> Back at Isengard, the Ents surround Saruman's Tower. Merry and Pip find a room filled with pipeweed and fresh food, so you know they're having a good time. And they go to town on that pipeweed! Yeah, they do. The Battle of Helm's Deep complete, Gandalf remarks that their collective fate now lies in the hands of Frodo and Sam. Speaking of Frodo and Sam, Faramir warns them that Gollum's suggested path through Minus Morgul is a treacherous one. Sam tells Gollum that Frodo turned him over to Faramir's men to keep them from killing him, but Gollum's mind is already made up. He's going to lead them to her. Yeah. What's oh, so I, cryptic? I'm so excited, man. I'm so, so excited. And that's the movie. And that is The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers from 2002, directed by Peter fucking Jackson. This movie's weird. Yeah, I'll say. And I love it, but um, we have a rule here on our show of you have to celebrate the bad while tearing down the good. Correct. Or else it's just boring to talk right. about a movie. This movie is slow as fuck. Oh, you don't have to tell me. (laughs) You get these amazing bits of character development and these relationship building moments and this world building. This movie does a lot of heavy lifting. A ton. It's the middle movie of a trilogy where the first movie, you establish the story. What's the stakes? What we need to do? What's going to happen? How we're going to go about solving the problem? I'm going to leave the third movie as just kind of a underpants gnomes prophet. I'm not going to tell you we'll what get it there. is yet. Because you've never said <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you, Brad. Right. But here, the stakes are established of you have your two hobbits, who are the heroes. Let's not forget it. Right. Getting this ring into that volcano. But underneath it all, you have the struggle of men, how... Men are corrupted by power, and that's what the whole Ring of Power is all about. And they established that, and obviously Fellowship, oh, man doesn't want to give over the ring. They had a chance to destroy it once. They didn't. Right. But now you have different warring factions of men between Rohan and Gondor. But you also have the elves living in this world who don't want to be a part of that either. Right. Well, fuck, Fuck, man. They're, they're ruining everything. But also, if they ruin everything, what do we do then? Exactly. So now they so have to get involved. So there's a lot of stakes for this world of Middle-earth. And this movie has to somehow balance all of that. It has to give them all something to fight for. And Helm's Deep really is just a battle. It's not the war. It's a battle, but it is an establishing battle for us as the audience to understand. There are a lot of stakes for a lot of different groups. And I'm happy they intercut that with the whole Gondor thing on Osgiliath. And Faramir saying, Frodo, you got to go. I understand now. You got to go. Right. The stakes are through the roof. At stakes the stakes are thing. so high. They're higher than the, the rent. And the most important thing that I feel like gets overlooked whenever this movie gets talked about, dwarf women. <laughs> because I've seen this movie so many times, and that whole entire sequence of Gimli talking about dwarf women. Yep. It's just gone over my head. And this time actually focusing and watching it for this show. Right. I went, no, Gimli. I'm not letting you off the hook. I actually need to know more about dwarf women. (laughs) Tell me more. They look so much like the dwarf men that people don't even think they exist. But then they just get off the conversation. I'm sitting there going, no, 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 no. Go back. Go back. (laughs) There should be so many follow-up questions. You're walking (laughs) through nothing. There should be follow-up questions. You got the time. Tell me more about the dwarf women. No, Eowyn, I know you want to fuck Aragorn, but stop. Talk more to Gimli. dwarf women, how are you not interested in this? There's so much to learn. We're going to talk about this movie. And the little nuances so much more in the super stuff score. How about we just get into the the critic stuff? Let's do it. Rotten Tomatoes one to one hundred. What are you thinking? It's probably like a ninety. It's probably like a ninety-five, Brian. Jesus Christ. And that is critical and audience. Well, I haven't voted yet. <laughs> You're in the five percent. Good job. <laughs> is that how it works? I don't know. I have no idea. Roger Ebert did see this movie, and he gave uh, three thumbs up out of four thumbs that he could give up. He said, With Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, it's clear director Peter Jackson has tilted the balance decisively against the Hobbits and in favor of the traditional action heroes of the Tolkien trilogy. The star is now clearly Aragorn, and the Hobbits spend much of the movie away from the action. The last third of the movie is dominated by an epic battle scene, that would no doubt startle the gentle medievalist J.R.R. Tolkien. (laughs) He goes on to say, the task of the critic is to decide whether this shift damages the movie. It does not. The Two Towers is one of the most spectacular swashbucklers ever made, and given current audience tastes in violence, may well be more popular than the first installment, The Fellowship of the Ring. He wants to note that it is not faithful to the spirit of Tolkien and misplaces much of the charm and whimsy of the books, but it stands on its own as a visionary thriller. He says that he complained in his review about the first film that the Hobbits had been shortchanged, but with the second film, he accepts that as a given. And he just goes on from there. It's like, all right, yeah, we're not talking about the Hobbits the anymore. The first film said, the Hobbits are important. Yeah, they're going, but there's a whole lot more going on other than the Hobbits. And, well, yeah, that's kind of more the interesting focus yeah. here. yeah. Ebert once again goes on from there. He said a lot about this movie. (laughs) He once again says, There are long stretches of the two towers in which we are looking at mostly animation on the screen. When Aragorn and his comrades launch an attack down a narrow fortress bridge, we know that the figure's toppling to their doom or computer generated along with everything else on the screen. (laughs) And yet, the impact of the action is undeniable. Peter Jackson... Like some of the great silent directors, is unafraid to use his entire screen to present images in wide scope and great complexity. He paints in the corners. That is just one of the highest compliments you can give a film director. Yeah, for sure. But he does hold something against Jackson, and it is that he was not faithful to the actual story that Tolkien wrote. There had to be something to take that star off. He says, to do what he has done in this film must have been awesomely difficult, and he deserves applause. But to remain true to Tolkien would have been more difficult and braver. Ooh. He kind of says he took the easy way out by making it a story about men. And yeah, it's okay. Take the easy way out. It's a brilliant story. Yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, whatever story is the best one to tell is the one you should tell, right? I completely agree. And then he went on to make The Hobbit anyway, just to say, fuck you, Ebert. Yeah. Fuck you! Yeah, look at me. I'll do a story about the the stupid Hobbit folks anyway, and it'll be really well-received. It'll be one book that I turn into three movies (laughs) somehow, just to make Roger Ebert. Oh, he died. Shit. Ah, damn it. What am I doing this for? Now I'm I'm committed. And people don't like the movies? Damn it. Uh. Ah, son of a bitch! (laughs) This backfired Great. I was trying to prove a point. Uh, quick, do a documentary about the Beatles Get Back sessions to win everyone back. Quick, quick, quick! And it worked. It did. (laughs) The only time I was like, yes, Peter Jackson, don't cut anything ever. And he didn't. (laughs) Those are so long, too. Our good friends on Letterboxd had quite a bit to say about this movie. I imagine. imagine they did. From January 2nd, 2021, I love whenever people script things. Okay. So here, Eowyn, where is she? The woman who gave you that jewel. Aragorn, she is sailing to the Undying Lands with all that is left of her kin. Eowyn, so you're telling me there's a chance? (laughs) Uh, Accurate. From March 15th, 2020, watching Aragorn fucking bust through those doors after everyone (laughs) thought he was dead and throw his head back as if to say, I lived, bitch, was no lie my first sexual awakening. (laughs) And I get it. I I get it. He came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, he did. <laughs> From December 8th, 2016, when are you bastards going to give Andy Serkis his Academy Award? For real, though. It's going to be one of those where he's too old, and they give it to him, and then he dies the next year, because that's <laughs> what right, happens. Right. But it's going to be one of those, I think. Or it'll be like a posthumous one. Yeah, that's the worst type it's like, yeah, that you remember that guy? He was great. And now we're going to go to Heath Ledger to see what he thinks about earning his uh, Academy Award. Heath? Heath? Heath, you're on. Heath, anything? They start playing him off. <laughs> <laughs> From September 14th, 2021. That's another scripted one. It's great. Aragorn kicks the helmet. Me, looking at my friend next to me, trying not to tell him the fact. <laughs> and I love that That's we skipped it. the fact, because that is exactly what it is, is the fact. That's where he broke his his toes. That's right. And the scream's real. There we did it. We hit the fact. We checked that box. Boom. <laughs> Go us. The last one I have is from September 21st, 2021. Hi, my name is grimo warm Tongue, and I'm extremely normal. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, oh, let's get so well a super stuff score. <laughs> let's do it. Start off with story and motivation. That's a tricky one. It sure is. Because it is the middle movie of a trilogy that is very, very complex. Extremely complex. And there's three stories happening simultaneously here. And they're all just trying to get to the next mark for the final movie. Does it work? Uh, At least one of the stories works. Which one? Uh, That would be the Aragorn and, and Gimli and Legolas story, I think. I agree. And the whole Frodo Sam story does not do a whole lot. No. Because no. what happens is Gollum finds them, they befriend Gollum, they get to mortar and go, that bitch is gonna be hard to get in, and then they get captured and they right. get freed. Exactly. That's their story. In this. That is that is all of, and, and the whole time that ring just keeps getting heavier. It gets so heavy. The big story again, as you said, Aragorn and his buds, his boon companions. <laughs> But it is a story of world building. Yes. Middle Earth building. Yeah. And it is extremely effective because it's showing you new things that you didn't know were there from the first movie, like Rohan, right. like Gondor. Basically, where we lived in the first film was this ring. It's bad. Okay. We got to bring it to that volcano. Got get to the volcano, throw it in there, and then have a, have a party. Let's get seven of you folk to go do that and then separate you. Exactly. Go on your own journeys. <laughs> There's some of the first and one. This was, all right, everybody's separated, doing their stuff. I'm going to go one. Uh, I'm going to hold you back because I feel like you gave it a one knowing I would. You were going to go one? No, I was going to go 0.5. Why? Because it's trying to tell multiple stories and it can only tell one of them. But I think only one of them matters for what this movie's trying to do. It's a world-building movie and what Frodo and Sam are doing is not world building it's not establishing stakes on their yeah, end the stake the... is the ring is heavy god damn it yeah but though i mean the name of the movie is the lord of the rings that's the name of the franchise the name of the movie is the two towers well it's called the lord of the rings colon, the two towers well okay roger ebert if you're gonna get all picky about that about <laughs> shifting the focus away from the hobbits i'll go 0.75 and not feel good about it all right, 0. 0.75, and I also don't feel good about it, but for different reasons. <laughs> okay. Let's I'm talk. glad. We're both sad. <laughs> it's bound to happen with this one. Let's talk about the heroes. Man. Man. And Hobbit. And, and Delph. And Dwarf. And, you're, you're right. This man. <laughs> and it Wizard. Is everybody <laughs> not orked up. Half of the Wizards. They do have to have a lot of diplomacy to come together to save the day. That's true. There's a lot of a lot of forgive and forget happening. There's some people coming re-establishing out of the of relationships yeah. between races. Yeah. and factions. That all sounds wonderful for teamwork, but we're talking about heroes. Yeah, they're all heroes. <laughs> Forever all right. and ever. Let's talk Aragorn then. <laughs> Aragorn. I think that is the hero. Of I the think movie that's, with that's a, the right move. A bit of Legolas and Gimli as again his boon companions. Right. But it's mostly an Aragorn movie. Right. He's unbelievable. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. He comes in there. He leads. He dies. He comes back with a magical horse. Uh, yeah. And he shows up. He says, "Hey, there's guys behind me. They're gonna kill us all." He bands everyone together. You know, he holds out for Gandalf's return. One was being very facetious with a lot oh, of. Oh, I stuff. heard it. I heard it. But I'm gonna set a marker at one. Got to start someplace. I don't like that your default for everything so far has been one automatically. We've got, we've got two! <laughs> what are we supposed to do? <laughs> Just give it a second. It won't be a one after this. The next category. Just trust me. <laughs> That's totally fair. Uh, a- Aragorn. You know what? He's I, great. He is, he is pretty great, isn't he? All right. I will concede a one for Hero. Even though, you know. It's supposed, the title of the movie. I get it, Brian. Move on. It's supposed to be Elijah Wood's movie. <laughs> Nobody even puts the ring on. I have never, ever heard anybody get upset that it wasn't Elijah Wood's movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think Elijah Wood expected it to be his movie. (laughs) Let's talk about villains. Yeah, let's talk about a generous .5. They're just mean, and they want to kill, and they uh, look great. But We're orcs. There's not a whole lot to them, besides they're just created killing machines and they're they're pretty uh henchy they are extremely henchy and totally henchy. is just very much fridged and yeah. up in his titular tower hanging out in his tower barely even in the movie i kind of want to go 0. 0.25 yeah that's fine <laughs> that's, that's totally fine it's not even a sauron thing in this one they they, they show him twice i think i think so like, Hey, there's a flaming eye in this guy be on the lookout for that in the future Drink every time you see Sauron. I am dead sober. Point two five for villains. Let's talk about teamwork. It's prevalent. It sure is. So let's go one five. There's a lot of teamwork. There's a well. I don't know about one five. Because I was gonna say two until you have Sam and Frodo are not they having good teamwork Sam, times. No, I'm talking. They're not part of the movie in my mind. <laughs> they're well, doing their own thing. The fact that a lot of the movie, like a, probably a good. 45 minutes the movie is dedicated to them I, out of I, four I, hours that's right <laughs> <laughs> almost a quarter no they're having their own issues though because the ring's real heavy and sam is phenomenal sam is phenomenal
1: frodo's the Frodo kind of sucks
0: frodo does kind of suck but he's got a heavy ring he's like sam i know we're good friends for a long time but i've been hanging out with this Gollum guy right and he's got multiple personalities and wants this ring so i'm gonna listen to what he says so let's talk about Aragorn and everybody else, please. Sure. They work great together. They do. And they end up getting Rohan on their side for the most part eventually. Like he has to talk Theoden into standing his ground for his people. Yeah. Because it's just that important right now. He kind of has to trick him into to it to get grounded. But yeah. He does have to kind of trick him into it. Yeah, it's fine. So 1 5. I'm fine with that. I still think it's only a 1. Yeah, it's fine too. Yeah. It's, I, figured, baby. I figured that's what you were coming down to. So 1. Well, no, because I'm about to get irrational in the best ways, and I will defend every bit of irrationality. Well, then let me allow me to get irrational for a second. Female characters. We should probably go minus one. Oh, thank you. I I already had my hand on the negative button. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, minus one. There's two women in the movie and they both want Aragorn. And they don't stop talking about wanting Aragorn. They just that's all they talk about. What's your character trait? I want Aragorn. Who the fuck doesn't? Give me something else. (laughs) But do you want Aragorn? I do. Yeah, that's a a negative one. Yeah, that's a negative one. Setting. We're in a lot of different places, and they are distinct. They are until they're not. What do you mean? I mean, uh, the first two times I saw this movie, I had no idea at the end of the movie that Frodo and Sam were in a different place than Helm's Deep. I had no clue. I thought it was all the same spot. Really? Until this time watching it, I was like, oh, now it makes sense. They're in different places. Well, that's just you being a dum-dum. Nope, it's the movie doing a bad job of delineating the different places. I don't agree with that. I don't know what to tell you, man. Okay, I mean, we clearly see that they show a map, in fact, showing where Helm's Deep is and where Azgiliath is, and they are far away. Yeah, but the, the map thing, uh... I don't care when they pull out a map. I I don't care if you don't care. Are. That's the th- about that. You shouldn't have to lazy. read the map to be like, oh, they're in different places. So then let's go back to all of our Indiana Jones movies that we talked about where we gave points for map travel exclusively. Because it it's awesome. The graphic itself. Yes. <laughs> now for a bunch of people unrolling a map and saying, this is a place here. and That's a place there. As a person who cares about this movie, who doesn't want to poo-poo it right away because <laughs> it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I was never confused. I gave this thing a very fair shot. Yes, you did. And I appreciate that. I don't know if I want to include the sets as part of setting or style and tone. What do you think? Ooh. Because it matters. It greatly matters. It does matter. I, the sets themselves feel more style and tone. Okay. You're only in like three places. You're in the woods on a yep. mountain weird throne hill. Right. Helm's <laughs> Deep. And a little bit of Osgiliath. Let's go Point five. Or .75, depending how generous you're feeling. I think it's more of a .75, honestly. Let's go .75, and then let's talk about the style and tone, because I got things to say. Let's talk about style and tone. Edoras, let's talk about that for a second, just to start the style and tone discussion. Okay. That set is unbelievable, because it's all real. That's wild. They built this set, this city, this little whatever it is on this mountain over the span of nine months. Wow. And they filmed there for a little over a week. And then they tore it all down. Is that the spot they they could only film at night because it got too- No, they shot all the day stuff there. You saw it, but it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't remember the names of the different places. (laughs) Because you don't give a shit, Brian. I get it. It's not because I don't give a shit. It's because they're all named basically the same thing. It's very confusing. That's fair. E-word whatever. (laughs) Letters after. But nine months in order to build this just for a week of filming in order to make it work. And then all of Helm's Deep, even if you want to go off of that, is built. And it is huge. They're actually walking on this giant construction that they made. Yeah. And you mix the set of Helm's Deep along with the miniatures of Helm's Deep and the way they shot it. And fuck, even if you want to go to Fangorn Forest, they shot Fangorn Forest without the actors and then blue screened them in and it works. Yeah, yeah it works surprisingly well. The care that went into the sets on this because it is so practical for the amount of CG talk that you want to do. There is so much practicality behind it. This movie is a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. The way it's shot is just unbelievable. It's one of those things, you could be bored by it, but if you pause any bit of it, the frame's beautiful. Right. Yeah. I want to go minimum two. And the fact that they built a set over the span of nine months, <laughs> and the care they put into that- To use it for a week is, yeah. I'm going to go two five. Fuck it. I want two five. I was ready to give you two. Two five. And I watched a two-hour making of special on this movie, and there was a part that actually like made me tear up a little bit, and it made me miss my set you, days. You teared up at the, a little, the making the of. The making of. The making of. You know where the actors give like their quick little jests to camera to show that they're human? Yeah. <laughs> I just acting. It was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a part where they're shooting at this Edras location, and they say, okay, next up we have a, a helicopter shot, so we got to move all the gear indoors, and everyone has to clear. And- I remember those types of shots where there's a lot of things that you watch on screen from movies and whatnot. That's just like a wide shot. And it's one of those fun things on set that's not really all that fun because you're on a time limit all the time. (laughs) You legit hide. You legitimately hide from the camera, hide, and you get clear. And it was just a weird bit of nostalgia hearing that and then watching the movie and seeing those. Unbelievable wide angle shots of the helicopter looking at the set and whatnot. Yeah. Knowing that all those buildings are just full of crew and equipment. Like <laughs> I it, it was amazing to think back on, it. and that's a me thing. That is. It's a strictly me thing. Like I, I love that so much. Yeah, but your joy has convinced me to give it a two-five. Oh, thank God. All Even right. though that story's only... entirely made up. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we only gave the first movie a two. Wait till we get to the third one. I cannot wait to watch making of that one. Let's talk about music. Let's talk about Howard fucking Shore. Howard Shore. It's very neat whenever you get into these movies just like John Williams does where you give leitmotifs to certain things. Yes. And then you carry it through. And this is just another example of that where he even creates more leitmotifs and it all still works. The music in this is very good, but I do, no matter what score you decide to give it, I want to give a minus 0.25 for the swell in the score when Legolas was surfing. I will allow it. Because they played that like it was such an epic moment. So let's go 1.75 and call it a day. (laughs) Because I fully agree with you. That was 1.75, the final score, or your proposed score that I'm going to subtract the 0.25 from? No, I took off the 0.25 already. Because I think we gave Howard Shore two earlier, didn't we? We only gave him a one for the last movie. Oh, this one's better because he throws in the whole Rohan thing. and It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth a whole extra point for the Rohan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Why don't we call it a 1.5? Yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> I forgot we gave the last one a one. <laughs> it's all arbitrary. It doesn't matter. Right. None of it is actually, it's not going to change anything about the movie itself. It's just the silly score we give it. Let's talk about one-liners. Not the beard! Potatoes. Classics. I don't Huge. care what you say, they're classics. Huge. I'm willing to give it a one. That's fine with me. <laughs> it's a little generous, probably. It is probably a it's little fine. generous, but I mean, and then everything, everything that Gollum says, so. Oh, he's terrific. My precious is now- Huge. Huge. In cinematic history, it's way the hell up there. Yeah, and he says it like 15 times in this movie. <laughs> he really does. He loves it. This is his precious, though. I get it. Yeah. So that's a one for one-liners. And it brings us to our final category, impact on the genre. The genre being comic book movies again. Yes. And it did get a sequel, which won all the Oscars. Yeah, it did, but I feel like it was predetermined to get a sequel before they even started rolling on this one. Well, no shit. So I don't, three books, not see movies. Know. They named them after the books. What impact? Well, originally it was only supposed to be two movies. Which is nuts to me. I don't know how you could pull it When it, it was with movies. Miramax, it was only going to be two movies. So I think that the impact on this movie is good, not great. Yeah, because this one did have to do a lot of heavy lifting. It did, and it was predetermined it was going to get the third. Let's go with a point five. That feels fair. Maybe a dirty point five. A point five, however dirty you want to call it. I mean, re- when Return of the King, when we do that, you're ready. Yeah, we're going to be facing a whole different monster. So it's going to be very different for sure. Yeah, yeah, that is going to give the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, a final score of an eight point two five. And that's with that minus one. And that is with a full negative one on female characters. It's a great movie. It is slow as all it fucking hell. It is so slow. And I think you managed to, to sweep over that while we were talking score somehow. And I'm impressed by that. I'm very good at what I do, I guess. <laughs> I didn't even think to mention that during the, the tone. Well, it's too late now. It's in stone. So with that. Let me ask you, (laughs) Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are talking about a movie that I'm very excited to finally see. Can I quickly uh, give you a quote from the movie? Yeah, please do. Just let me uh, me warm up. That's right. We're talking about Mars Attacks. Legitimately cannot wait. I'm so excited. I've always wanted to see this movie, and I don't know how it's gone unwatched as long as it has. I am so excited for you. <laughs> I'm super stoked. Man, this is one of those that, again, I don't watch that often because I feel like I'm going to hate it at some point. <laughs> but it's like it hits all the right notes for me now because I don't watch it as often as I want to. Right. If that makes sense. I get that. That's You don't want to spoil it. Exactly. Until then, thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Big Fish. Email us your questions and comments to katepodcasters at gmail.com. Follow us on social media, at katepodcasters, especially on Facebook, where we always put up a post on a recording day asking you for your questions and comments. And oh boy, did you all deliver. (laughs) Let me start it off with Phil Hudson Hawkins. He's got two questions. First one, elves, how do they work? (laughs) That's solid. But his real question is, how upset were you at the complete erasure of Erkenbrand, Lord of the Westfold, whose lines and actions were callously given by Peter Jackson to Aomer, who isn't even a first or second marshal of the mark? Brian, I'm going to leave this up to you to answer. Oh, I'm super bummed. You know, like, how could you do something like that? I think the text that let me read it, the one that Brian sent me, he said, I am so butthurt that I might not be able to sit for forever. (laughs) That's a direct quote. This movie's so goddamn long, Phil. (laughs) I don't think they could include that. How dare you suggest they add more to it? I can't believe you're bringing up Birkenbrand when you didn't even bother with Tom Bombadil in the first one. Is that a real name? Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) We got to pick our battles, I guess, is the lesson here. That's what it comes down to. And these movies are real long, and there's only so much you can do. (laughs) John from the Experience Grind Podcast, he asks, how many rings could a little hobbit ring if a little hobbit could ring rings? Well, I imagine a little hobbit would ring as many rings as a little hobbit could ring if a little hobbit could ring rings. I feel like that is the question of all things hitchhiker style, so uh, 42. Yeah, uh, nailed it. Captain Spoiler Micah, he wants to know who is better at skateboarding. Legolas or Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi every day. How do you do, fellow kids? Nailed it. (laughs) Steve Buscemi is Legolas, by the way. Missed opportunity. A hundred percent would give that movie all of the, the ones and twos. And the last one we have is from Jeff Miners. He says, if you were to replace the actors with Super Smash Brothers characters, who would play what? And I'll lead it up by saying Frodo, Sam, Mario, Luigi, done. Yep. Yep, I like that. (laughs) <laughs> because Ayo wins a girl, Peach. <laughs> uh, easy one, Legolas, Link. That's the easiest. That, you that can is it. as easy as you can get. Aragorn, uh, Captain Falcon. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. King DDD. he could be Gimli. Oh, absolutely. Sure, the size doesn't add up at all, but you're asking me a ridiculous question, so I'll give you a ridiculous <laughs> answer. And I think uh, Mary and Pip would have to be the Ice Climbers. Done. Couldn't have done it any better. and all of the orcs are Pikmin. Yes. Picked out of the ground just like they are in this movie. We did it. And Gandalf is Pikachu because. Because. They're all Jigglypuff. (laughs) I love it. The whole movie, (laughs) all Jigglypuffs. It's all Jigglypuffs. I would watch it. Oops, all Jigglypuffs. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for your questions. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for donating in March Two Veterans Inc. to make this episode even happen. Yeah. Brian is not (laughs) thrilled with you, but also thrilled with you. He's got a lot of mixed emotions. I'm very proud of all of you, but so upset. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Brian, do you have anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for Mars Attacks. Same pod time? Same pod! Stupid fun hobbitses!